Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. I am joined with Joe. We are back after our Christmas and New Year's break. Uh, good to talk to you guys again. Hope you all enjoyed bowl season. Hope you guys really enjoyed the national title games, in particular Texas's loss, of course. But we're going to be talking only about Texas Tech or Texas Tech, I guess, kind of tangentially related news. Um, I, I, I have to preface that a bit because you'll see why in a second. But this is going to be a basketball episode. We're going to talk about the upcoming match with Texas, where we think the team is as Big 12 play officially starts. Joe and I have talked about this before, but it's now been a couple of weeks. Um, the team has gotten on a bit of a win streak now so we'll update you guys on how things are going as we enter big 12 play with a date on the road in austin against the longhorns but first let's start with the texas tech news that i think is kind of interesting and maybe not entirely texas tech quote unquote related but you know it's in our sphere and it's very interesting joe the news coming out of kansas state matt wells is officially the offensive coordinator of the wildcats a Shock, maybe? What What are your thoughts on this when you first heard it? Um, definitely a shock. I wasn't. I wasn't actually thought thinking he would get another gig, power five wise, as the head head guy as far as offensive coordinators going and things like that. I just thought if he was going to become a head coach or anything like very important, other than just an analyst, it was going to be somewhere in a smaller size football program but you know obviously he won the hearts over there at kansas state enough to become the co-offensive coordinator i believe a assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach if i'm not mistaken and it's it's a real head scratcher i don't to me i don't i don't see the fit but obviously kansas state likes something about him and they're going to roll with it but i just it's a head scratcher for me I was shock doesn't begin to describe it because I cannot be, I, I can't even fathom making this hire. And look, Kleinman is a great head coach. Uh, Kansas state is the kind of program where maybe you take up some of the scraps. Other people don't want and turn it into gold. That's what Bill Snyder did for years. Um, so maybe this is, you know, Matt Wells is more of the same and this will we'll all look dumb being skeptical about this later, but let's be clear here. Matt Wells is being hired because of, I think like one season at Utah state and I cannot begin to understand this, right? Like, because this, this, I think is all based around the idea that like Matt Wells coach Jordan love at Utah state. And to be frank, that's the weakest fucking resume I've ever heard for what is a good power five offensive coordinator job. As much as Kansas state has some issues uh, and issues referring to like institutional limitations that make it a tougher job. Manhattan, Kansas being what it is, you know, the state of Kansas not producing much elite talent, uh, uh, it, you know, encroaching competition now from the new Pac-12 teams out West that are joining up. And then the just general struggle to get elite talent to come in. But it's a still a good gig. And if you win, they'll love you forever, right? Like Bill Snyder basically died on the job. He, and he's not dead. That's a terrible thing. Terrible analogy. But you get my point. They would have left him basically stay forever because of the success he had there. If you succeed there, they'll take care of you. But Matt Wells inherited a Cliff Kingsbury roster. That was, let's be clear here, very good offensively. 
You know, you want to know where Taj Brooks came from, right? Like where some of these guys came from. It was they were guys Cliff was recruiting or looking at, or they were are you know all of the offensive talent. And what was it that 2018, 2019 was when Will started? Um, you know, uh, uh, they're all Cliff's guys, and they were very good. Like you know, a season ago, and then Matt Wells and David Yost came in, and the offense was unwatchably awful. So. I I think this is the stupidest hire of the offseason in a long time at a at a uh, a coordinator position. Well, I say that Oklahoma hired Jeff Levy, so you know, and I guess TCU hired Kendall Bryles, so those two are competing for the top spot as well. But this this makes no sense. And I like Matt Wells; he's a nice guy. He did his best at Tech, but he sucks at recruiting. He sucked as an X's and O's head coach. His offense has sucked. I wish the Wildcats good luck, and I, you know, I'm not saying I'm hoping that we're all wrong about this because I, I want Kansas State to lose Tech, but it's interesting, nonetheless, to consider. Now, our next piece of news is similarly puzzling. The PGA Rookie of the Year was announced. The assumption being that our man Ludwig Adberg would be the. I mean, it, it, I I don't think anybody thought he wasn't going to be the. Uh, the rookie of the year for the PGA. Instead, he falls to, I believe it was Eric Cole who actually took the award. Um, Ludwig, of course, had won on the PGA, participated in the Ryder Cup where his duo actually won a match against the Americans as part of Europe's just absolutely sweeping victory in that contest. Joe, you know, the news that Ludwig, and what I thought was really funny about this is, you know, his countrymen back home are all over Twitter, uh, you know, alongside like the Red Raider faithful, like griping about this decision. So it's a really funny moment of like bringing two completely dissimilar communities alike around the the, the disappointment of this decision. Joe, uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, Ludwig's career? How fun has it been to watch him succeed so quickly? What's it, what was it like seeing him at the Ryder Cup? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, just another, just like whenever you get Mahomes with Kansas City and, you know, doing all of these things for Texas Tech, you know, seeing Texas Tech represented in a different city, different state, and welcomed in that city. It's great. And now the Texas Tech brand, is going overseas and you love to see it. I mean, it's just going to bring more eyes to Texas tech university. I, I think as a whole, having Patrick and having Ludwig, you know, at the peak, maybe not exactly the peak. I mean, Mahomes, I don't know as if he's tapered off or not. That's another discussion, another time. And we don't know the ceiling for Ludwig. You know, it's just one of those deals. Like, but these guys are at the top of their games right now. They both came from Texas Tech University, and they're these are brand ambassadors for your university. And it's just it's amazing to see. I think he personally, I don't know how that that vote is, but he was the most talked about over Cole over that time span. So for me, him not getting the nod in the rookie of the year is is kind of baffling to me, but like I said, it, it's been good to see all the press, him mentioning Texas Tech, Tech being here, Tech being there, um, and you know, like I said, the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, he's he's a hell of a golfer, and expect to hear his name called for other awards and trophies and tournaments down in in the future because, like I said, his his ceiling, um, we don't know how how big it is. So th this award feels, I'm not going to say rigged, but it does feel a bit rigged. Eric Cole is 35. 
So he's the oldest rookie of the year to ever win it. That's part of why he wins the award. The other big reason is his mom, I believe it was about 50 years ago, won the LPGA rookie of the year. And so, like, you know, the PGA likes the full circle of it all, the family of it all. Ludwig got screwed. And it's a bit of a bummer. But it is very exciting to see a Texas Tech athlete do anything at a high level. You know, uh, uh, golf in particular, these guys are pretty high profile. It's an individual-based sport. Ludwig represents Texas Tech very well. He always talks about the his time at the Rawls course and the program. And, you know, he's a great kid. We don't know what his career will end up looking like, but the early returns are extremely promising for him becoming a, a fixture at the top or near the top of the golf world. Um, you know, he's very young has a lot of elite golf ahead of him, hopefully, and he'll only continue to get better. I mean, he's this good now, and that is something. Like, I think your sweet spot for golf is, like, in your mid-30s to early 40s, um, right before, you know, your back and your knees start to break down, but you're fully, you know, you've got the years and years and years of experience under your belt. So I, I root for the best for him. But I just wanted to clean up those housekeeping news, some interesting Texas Tech-related news. Let's start on the Lady Raider front before we get to the men's team, which is everybody, which is basically the focus of this episode. But it, 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 we do a disservice if we don't talk about the fact that the Lady Raiders started Big 12 play. And Joe, I've got, I guess, three words for this, or four, I suppose. It was fucking embarrassing. They are crushed by the Texas Longhorns at home in what was a very good house uh, in terms of attendance, 74 to 47. This game wasn't close at all. And Texas, I believe, was down two of their leading scorers. Um, you know, that's a very talented basketball team. But with Texas Tech's momentum to start the year, it felt like the Red Raiders would at least be competitive in this game. Uh, they very much were not. Um, they they did beat Houston, I think, the previous week um, to start officially Big 12 play. So, you know, a little, a lot of momentum in that program, a lot of hype, big full house, and they laid a complete goose egg against the best team they play by a wide margin. Joe, Krista Gerlich's now pretty deep in her tenure. At what, I'm, I'm not going to overreact to one bad loss, but let's say this becomes a trend. Let's say Texas Tech does the same shit it's done in the past. They're capable of beating the very bad teams they play, but they're not capable of competing with the, the you know, the top, the upper echelon of the Big 12 at all. Right. Like we're not that this was not competitive. Are, are we are we starting to be a little concerned about the leadership at the helm if this isn't a wake up call for this team and they rebound in a big way? Yeah, I'm not going to jump like this is like a huge, huge warning. But I mean, it's it's something to keep a note on, you know, something to, to track, something to keep an eye on as these bigger games come up and how competitive you really are in these games the talent is there on the on the lady raiders roster they do have some girls that were some some studs in high school and granted that doesn't always you know translate into the college game but we do have some some young ladies that played high school basketball at a high level aau and in the high school ranks highly touted some of these recruits i believe one of the transfers we got in was a former four-star or McDonald's All-American. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I'm pretty sure. So we're getting the talent here. It's just putting it all together. Obviously, you would have liked to see more of a fight. Both games that we played against Texas last year were way more competitive, and we had less talent on the offensive side, personally is what I believe. 
So for them to come and kind of lay an egg like that, I think they would be a little bit more competitive. There was a solid crowd there, and it, and it was flat-out embarrassing. I don't know if that's a Christy Gerlich issue. I, it's still too early to call for me, but I obviously do think that this is going to be one of those that's penciled in for games for the future to base off of where we stack up against, you know, some of the best in the country. And if this becomes a standard, then, you know, obviously I don't want to start clamoring for Gerlich to lose her job because I think she's a hell of a coach, but obviously changes will be made. That's just the, that's just the landscape of, of being a head coach. You're kind of the scapegoat for the team struggling. So I don't wish anything bad for Gerlich, but I mean, obviously these things are kept tabs on. So you want to be competitive in the league. You want to make progress. You want to build on the next year. And, you know, this go around with the Longhorns just didn't go quite our way in multiple ways. And there's a lot of things to clean up, but hopefully they get it, get back on the right track. Um, build on some success and see what they could do in the big 12. But that definitely wasn't, wasn't the greatest, the greatest performance for the lady Raiders. You know, this program had a pretty great start to the year and look, they lost to Tulsa and Oregon state, but uh, look, I, I don't expect perfection from them. And that's why those losses don't necessarily really, uh, uh, you know, grind my gears, uh, 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 an eight point loss to Tulsa, 12 point loss to Oregon state. I, I, I will be 100% honest. I don't know where those two teams fall in their respective conferences, but it doesn't, you're going to drop a couple of games in basketball that maybe you shouldn't. So I presuming let's presume for a second that like Tulsa's not great. I, I, I don't know that for certain. I don't follow AAC women's basketball. I don't follow the PAC 12s women's basketball. I'm more or less only watch tech women's basketball. Um, for that matter, I don't know much that much about the men's side, the greater conference landscape. I just pay attention to what's going on in front of us. But I can forgive competitive losses. If you'd lost to Texas in a competitive game, or even one that had you know just gotten away from you a little bit, I, I it doesn't really phase me because that happens. But this is now four performances in a row that were really subpar, and that that's a trend to me. And after the huge start to the year. Um, it's really disappointing. You know, Houston's re I, I do know this because I follow like the three Houston fans that exist in this world on Twitter. The Houston women's team's pretty bad. Tech narrowly knocks them off. But okay. Sometimes maybe that maybe the Houston team found something, or maybe you just got to turn it around. So you're you're one and two heading into this date with Texas. Texas very talented, down some down some horses, but you you what you want to see is a tech team that doesn't look completely overwhelmed on the court. And that's more or less what we saw. They looked nervous, they looked a little unprepared. Uh, I think Krista Gerlich described it best. Texas just looked like bigger, more athletic. And it, it really shook the Red Raiders. Now, questions of experience, questions of whatever, all of that I understand. But if Texas Tech does not make the tournament this year, Krista Gerlich is running out of excuses because the only successful thing to happen to this women's team in what, 15, 20 years outside of like, I no, I think this is the only thing. It's like a, what was it? A quarterfinal, semifinal NIT run. And that's fucking embarrassing for a program that has our biggest, had for years, our only national title. And is still, I think, arguably the most impressive accomplishment for Texas Tech Athletics um, was winning with Cheryl Swoops and getting that natty. So for a program that has our proudest history, to be so uncompetitive year after year after year. It's frustrating. You looked better last year, 
But again, you didn't make the tournament. And I'm not going to applaud progress if in year two we do the same, in another year of this, we do the same thing. Now, is it reason to pull the fire alarm right this minute? No, but it is worrisome that the second they stop playing Sam Houston State, Incarnate Word, who gives a fuck tech, that the wheels completely fell off the wagon. And that has been a disappointing trend under Krista Gerlich. It's been a disappointing trend under every Texas Tech basketball coach on the women's side for years. And I hate it because they got the fans into the arena. It wasn't a sold-out house, but it, I saw pictures. It looked great. I saw in, the, in the, uh, the crowd shots from the game watching it. It looked great. It looked like a really fun place to be. And it just was a miserable game. And that, that, that's, a, that's disappointing. But look, you know, I'll be right there with the Lady Raiders. Hopefully this sparks something. Sometimes you need to get your ass kicked, right? You're in this tough stretch or one out of your last four games. You, and you're trying to find some magic. Maybe that sparks you. I mean, remember the, what sparked the national title run on the men's side was losing, getting embarrassed by West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament game. They, and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to play your worst basketball to go find your best again. So as they gain experience, you know, Texas easily the most talented team they play. There's no doubt. So hopefully that experience, that kind of shell shock is gone and they play better. But I, I'm getting tired in general of the women's athletic department outside of like soccer struggling almost across the board. I mean, volleyball is such a joke. I, it's unbearable. Softball's a kind of a mess. They're trying to pull it out. You know, track and field is good, but they they, they can't seem to actually live up to expectation. And it, it's just tough. It's, it's frustrating to watch the women's department spiral. And I mean, for that matter, the men's department's not winning fuck all any, anyways. Really, this is just a frustrating time to be a Texas Tech fan. Hopefully the women's team can pull it together. Hopefully the men can pull it together because we need some winning. It has, with the exception of soccer, there has not been like a really exciting Texas Tech program in like the last year and a half. So hopefully the men and women's teams can pull this together on the basketball front. Hopefully this loss sparks the women. And hopefully this upcoming matchup against the Longhorns on the men's side has much different results. Before we get to that, though, let's start with a little recap of conference play on the men's side. Uh, Big 12 play officially starting this weekend against the Longhorns. Texas Tech in its last night out was 85-70. and 70. 85 to 57 over the North Alabama Lions. This caps off a win streak of the Red Raiders since their loss to Butler of six games. Uh, I, there's not much to write home about these. Oral Roberts is probably the most interesting contest. That is a deceptively tricky Oral Roberts team who pushed Texas Tech to the brink. Um, really fought that entire game. I was I came away very impressed with that Oral Roberts squad. They're a dangerous squad. Played a tough schedule, but Texas Tech has those six wins in its bank. Of course, the glaring. Uh, you know, kind of pox on this resume is their best win is probably Michigan, who does not look particularly good. There are two other, I would say, quote unquote, good teams. They played Villanova and Butler, uh, both losses. Villanova in particular was 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 very frustrating to watch. Villanova just bullied Tech. Butler Tech battled hard in that game, forced overtime, just couldn't get quite get it done. Uh, Joe, we talked about this previously. It's now been a few more games since we last chatted about this, but there's been some developments. For one, Pop Isaacs has seemed to come into his own a bit, and it seems like the offense has maybe found a little bit of an identity with the shakeup losing, you know, a key role player. So what are your thoughts as Texas Tech approaches the start of Big 12 play about where this team is at? I mean, you see a trend. Obviously, everything up until the Oral Roberts game kind of isn't really – it does matter, but it doesn't. And in the sense, I'm saying that because you had Cambridge in those games previously, and then everything is life after Cambridge, you know, after the injury against Omaha. So 
so you see exactly what kind of rotations McCaslin's going to be throwing out there. We have five games under our belt since his injury. Obviously, we're 5-0 and in those five games. We haven't played our best, but, I mean, you do start to see some of the trends there on what McCaslin's trying to do and what this coaching staff is trying to do with the guys that we have on the on the floor and that are available to us. So I think, I think as long as we're shooting well, and that's, that's a big if, you know, if we're shooting well, then we could compete with anybody in the big 12 with exception to maybe Houston and Kansas, who that's just going to be your elite tier of conference foes that you play this year. But I think, like I said, if you could shoot the ball, well, keep the turnovers to a minimum keep your assists up like they've been in the last few games, which I'll get into here shortly. I think you could com- be competitive in this league, but it, obviously in so in that one loss to Villanova earlier in the year where we got bullied around the rim, we got bullied down low. We were just, we were just bullied that entire game. If those kinds of things happen, it could make for a long season in the big 12 for the second consecutive year. So I think, like I said, as long as our shooting and our, assist turnovers and you know these are all names of the game but if those things are kind of held in check to where you know you could you're making the three ball you're penetrating you're not fouling a whole lot you're keeping your rotation set um, this team could be very competitive in the big 12 i'm not going to say we're going to win it all but you know top top quarter of the big 12 i think is is clearly doable if you do some of those things correct you know, it, it's kind of unfortunate because it is becoming exactly what we all kind of thought going into the year, that this team is going to live and die with, like, Pop Isaacs as, you know, an elite scorer and able to protect the ball. But he's had a good last two games. After, he scored 18 against UT Arlington, but he had four turnovers. That was a tough out. Tech really looked quite poor in that game. A lot of turnovers. But since then, he dropped 28 against Sam Houston, 21 against North Alabama. A very efficient shooting the ball in both games which I think is the biggest part of this. He shot greater than 50% from the floor. Volume shooting to get a lot of points is not what Texas Tech needs from Pop Isaacs. He does need to take a lot of shots, but he needs to be taking smart shots and making good shots. You know, I, I don't, we, he doesn't need to be perfect, but it does put a lot of pressure on him because there is this sense of like he's got to take, you know, 20 shots a game. And that that's probably true. He's got to take a lot of shots, but what is much better you know, instead of taking like 15, 23s, just jacking up every time he gets on the court, which let's be clear, he's had a habit of doing at times. There has been a lot of contested long looks he's taken that weren't necessary. But in the last couple of games, what I think has been most heartening is he's taken tough looks and good looks, but he's made these shots and he's done. He's played efficient basketball. If you're going to shoot, you know, nine to 12 threes a game, you got to be hitting somewhere between four to seven of them. You know, you want to, you should be shooting in volume only like that if you're shooting like a high percentage of those shots. If not, work on the offense, pass the ball around, let Toussaint get going. Um, try to find Chance McMillan, who's had some hot hand moments. Uh, uh, try to find some of your guys. You know, Washington's had some great moments. Uh, you know, you, you've just got to gotta play within the game. And if you're playing like he is right now, like the last game he was a 50% shooter, you know, that that's winning basketball. High percentage looks. Uh, a lot of, you know, make it easy for yourself and this team by not taking the shots you don't have to take. But if you're going to take looks, be ready to, uh, uh, I guess the best way I can put this, if you're going to shoot volume, I don't want it to be your two for 15. 
You know, that's not getting it done. Or four for 20. That's not winning basketball. But if you shoot, you know, six for nine, five for eight from beyond the arc, that's winning basketball. Because you're not going to be perfect. But you need to be shooting a high percentage of looks. If not, there are nights you're just not going to have your touch. You can go to Walton. You can go to Tucson. You can go to Williams, Washington. You know, your starters, they've all had moments of greatness. McMillan, Ben, and other guys had moments of greatness. This team just... To date, I don't think has had a game where I felt like every guy we count on has a good game at once. And I, that's what I'm hoping to see soon as a complete performance. And it's tough to gauge against really bad competition. You know, where does this team stay? Where does it ride? You know, in the Big 12, you, you really haven't had, uh, I guess the best way to put this is since the loss of Cambridge, it just you just haven't been tested i mean just just you just haven't been so we still well we i hope this time we used wisely to build our rotations out it is it is heartening to see it start to come together but we will find out a lot more of this team very immediately against texas joe for that matter texas is real in a bit you know the longhorns came into the year with a ton of hype ton of potential um they are still as of i guess right now according to espn still ranked 20th um i don't know when the latest ap poll will drop but they have a couple of tough losses uh beat by yukon not a bad loss by any stretch but were uh taken to behind the woodshed by marquette which was a bit of a shocker they've struggled in several games lsu uh, uh louisville pushed them hard um you know they're not feeling as good about their program as I think they were expecting to at this point for a team that was rated, I think in like the top five, top 10, you know, they're not, they don't have that good feeling vibe. They feel like they're sinking a bit in the big 12 power rankings. You're on the road to the Moody center. What does it mean for Texas tech to come into this, into this game and, and play confident basketball? What are you thinking? How do you think the Longhorns will respond to a tech team that really needs to perform well? This is a, I mean, I know that obviously you're going into Austin. You're already going to be underdogs, talent for talent. The Longhorns have more talent on the court than you do. End of story. I mean, it is what it is. But, I mean, they're not playing great. And that Louisville game that they snuck out with that win, Louisville is terrible. I mean, they're they're just not a good basketball team. And it's it just kind of goes to, to show, you know, it's just kind of they've They've lost a little bit of their luster, their swag. You know, they came with all this offseason hype. We know what having offseason hype does to to people after the fact when especially they don't li- kind of live up to that billing. We know what that that feels like. And I feel that the Longhorns are just that. They haven't done anything. The, the games they lost to UConn, to Marquette, those games, they weren't, like I said, if you watched any of those games, they weren't really – in those games, they just it didn't seem like no matter what they did, they weren't going to come out of those games with W's. And they're reeling a little bit. They have they've played the same um, UT Arlington team we did and beat them with a sort of a similar score that we did. It's nothing like I said. I don't think this Tech team is going to go into Austin not thinking that they can't come out of Austin with a win. I think all the all the chips are there. All the stars could potentially align there if Tech continues to to play turnover-free, turn you know, under 10, keep those assists up, you know, 15-plus, and you're shooting somewhere north of 40% from three-point like you have been the last five games, you have all the makings to go and win this game. 
but you know, that's why the games are played on the on the court. But on paper, and what we've been doing the last few games, what Texas has been doing the last few games, this is a clear toss-up. There's not, I mean, there is an advantage, obviously, in Austin, but I just don't see the Longhorns, you know, running away with this one convincingly, unless, you know, all the wheels with Texas Tech just fall off, which I, I think the rotation that McCaslin's put out there has been solid. Our our fouls have been down. We haven't been getting our guys in foul trouble. We've been making the plays, assists up, turnovers down, and the three ball's been falling. So you keep you keep that momentum going with how you've been playing the last five. I think you have all the makings into going into Austin and coming out with a victory. You know, it, it's it's interesting. Tech and Texas have a very similar feel to them, right? Neither program really has like a marquee win. Both took losses to the better teams they played. Both have struggled against some of the lower competitions they played. Though I I don't know how the you know basketball world feels about this, but I feel safe saying Louisville is the worst team in all of you know the the major college basketball programs. It, they're the worst right now by a wide margin. So that that's a particularly shocking one. Um, but I think the biggest difference here is. Tech came into this year predicted, I don't remember what we were picked in the Big 12, 7th or 8th, but you were predicted to be in a bit of a rebuild. Grant McCaslin had a lot of work to do to restore confidence in, in the program, rebuild the roster, rebuild relationships with Lubbock, and rebuild, I think there were a lot of hurt feelings after all the, the toxic shit that happened, and you just have to kind of regroup, and he was bringing in wholesale new guys and you know that's that's not that unusual but under the circumstances to have to rebuild it was a, it was a tough task so i think that's the biggest difference is texas came in with i mean like they always do in most sports with more hype than anyone should ever have and to lay an egg i think is particularly disarming for the longhorns i'm demoralizing for the longhorns i should say but they're still a talented basketball team. I still believe this Texas team is dangerous. And just like Tech, you know, they've been playing better as we've approached the start of Big 12 play. Other than the LSU game, which I, I don't know that much about LSU, but it was only an 11-point win. And I, I think LSU's not great. So that's a bit more maybe, maybe closer than you'd like. But otherwise, they've been playing great basketball, right? Like the in, in their last two contests, the both margins of victory is well over 30 points. They won by nearly six, uh, nearly 40 against UNC Greensboro. You know, they're, they're playing better basketball, but it's against bad competition. And that's the biggest thing. But if you're of somebody who believes in like versus like opponent, both teams played UT Arlington, Texas won by seven. Team tech won by less than that. So, you know, like I, that doesn't mean much, but it for what little it's worth, you cannot take this Longhorn team, you know, uh, lightly. You can't take anybody in the Big 12 lightly. And for that matter, Texas Tech is not good enough to be taking anybody in this conference lightly. But you can't especially overlook the fact that they are very talented. You can't forget the fact that they, they are going to be in a venue that knock on wood will likely be very crowded. I presume it'll be a sellout game at the Moody Center. Um, it's going to be a tough environment. It's a tough test for this team and for Texas tech to win turnovers are the biggest thing and shooting and all this stuff, all that aside, what you have to do more than anything else is you have to show up under control. This is a charged environment. Every game against Texas is, and tech teams respond to that one of two ways. They either really play well, they embrace the toughness, kind of the brutality of that environment or they crumble, and they, there hasn't been a lot of in-between in this. And the football team, unfortunately, in Austin, and the, the, the bright lights and roaring crowd of DKR has crumbled the last several trips 
the basketball team has fared better on the road, surprisingly, than the bas- the football team has been far more competitive in in Austin, including that great win uh, uh, under Mark Adams that first year. I, uh, that was one of the most fun road games I think I've ever seen. So that was awesome. But um, my point is you just you the, the, the energy of these games is different and to start Big 12 play with it in particular is different. So it's about Texas Tech understanding that, embracing it and being prepared for it because everything else is feeding off of that. If you can't handle the environment that you're in, if you're edgy, if you're nervous, if you're scared, whatever, and that is feeding your game, you're going to turn the ball over. You're going to shoot poorly. You're going to make mistakes defensively. But if you can, you know, control the moment, control your emotions, control what you can control, you know, the other stuff will come. Maybe you turn the ball over a couple of times. Well, okay, if you're under control and you're playing within the environment and handling the energy well, you'll stop turning the ball over every possession. It'll just be like, hey, I threw the ball away once. No big deal. Let's get back and get on defense. And that's what you got to see. This, this, it, it's especially with Texas moving out of the Big 12, especially with with the hostility, I think, in the rivalry at an all-time high, and especially with the disappointment of what happened with the football team. It is critical that the basketball team understands that they, they need to play within themselves, within the environment. It's not easy. I mean, look, since the Mooney Center's been built, Texas has managed to build a much better uh, uh, home uh, home crowd. So it, it's, it's a trickier place to go play ball now. Um, Joe, I want to ask you, you know, Kendall's going to have a preview article for us. I'm presuming he'll address some of these things, but I do want to get into it. I kind of hinted at some of the keys to the game, but let's get yours. What are your, you know, two biggest keys to this game for Texas Tech to get out of Austin with the opening Big 12 win? Uh, Rebounding is going to be key and then staying out of foul trouble, which is, you know, I mean, that's just. Those are usually, you know, keys to the game anyway. You know, just out-rebound, own the glass, keep your turnovers down, rebound the ball. All of these things, you know, the the basics, the the fundamentals of the game. These are the fundamentals, and these are things that Coach McCaslin and his staff preach all the time. Not being under control, like you said, you know, you don't want to stop them on a possession and then, push the ball up court and then just turn it over with an Aaron pass, you know, and then, you know, you're just taking possessions away from yourself whenever they could be productive. You could get a foul on them. You could, you could put points on the board, a bunch of different things go into that. So I would say biggest keys for me would be rebounding and then keeping Warren and um, Warren and, um, and Darian, out of foul trouble because these are your bigger guys. You do have Robert Jennings out there. You do have um, Kyron Lindsay out there as well, but he hasn't quite been seen as much playing time. And you don't want to get one of those bigger guys into foul trouble, not knowing exactly the depth of our rotation and our players. You know, obviously coach McCaslin has been playing, I believe about eight guys, when the game's not a blowout, you have your starting five and then you have Lamar, Robert and Chance coming off the bench. And that's that's your squad that you've been running with. So as long as you keep your guys out of foul trouble and you're and you're on the glass and you stay relatively close and don't get out rebound or bullied like we've seen in the past or in earlier game when we played Villanova, I think you could come out of this this game with a victory and you know, propel, propel this team into next week. Cause you do have two very winnable games um, back in Lubbock after the Texas game. So if you could 
go and steal a win in Austin and you come back and you have Oklahoma State and Kansas State at home the following week. I mean, these are games that these are the games here at home are going to be crucial this year. We do have a relatively um, favorable home slate. You know, we're not having to go to the fog and play Kansas. We do have to go to to Houston to play the Cougars. But as far as favorable matchups and what we have as far as the scheduling goes, this could propel us. You know, you could still win in Austin. You come back into Lubbock and you win two games in a row and you're sitting three and zero to start conference play. And I think that's, you know, something you could take and, you know, build on. But my keys to the game is rebounding and keeping your bigs out of foul trouble. I kind of gave my big key to the game, which is embracing the environment, being prepared for it, um, and just generally accepting the challenge of going on the road in the Big 12 in general, let alone in this rivalry with the emotions running so high. Just be ready. Be ready to handle that. Be ready to regulate that, I think is the best way to put it. Um, If I had to give another key to the game, I would say my last key to the game is work within the offense. I, I think Texas Tech has continues to have issues with guys wanting to do too much. Um, guys taking bad shots, um, guys trying to, you know, hero ball it a bit. And look, some of this is is necessary, right? Like I've said it all year. Pop Isaacs will drive this team to victory or failure one way or another. Toussaint will drive this team to victory or failure one way or another. Those two guys have to be heroes at times especially with Cambridge gone and the lack of bigs. Your guards have been very good this year. You know, it's been great to see um, Kerwin Walton come back and play so well. It's been great to see, you know, McMillan have some spurts. You know, some of your guys have had great moments, but you have to work within the offense. It can't just be stand around and watch somebody else make a play, move off the ball, move the ball, sideline to sideline, you know, rotate it around defenses. I guarantee you we will see Texas play some tough defense. You have got to force them to move, and you you have to be prepared. Now that the athletes are just as good as you, if not better, and you can't just bully them or run around them like you've done against the low level of competition, you got to be ready. And that's what playing a team like Villanova – it, it, it really does best for you. Villanova bully balled you. That's what happened. They backed you up and beat your ass by just driving straight at you and, and, and forcing you to accept that you just are big enough, strong enough, fast enough, whatever to compete with them. You but tasted that experience. Learn from it. Learn how to attack that situation. Play tough and play within the offense. That's my last key to the game. All right, Joe, we're going to wind down here because we only have the one game to talk about for this week. We'll be back to talk about, uh, we'll usually record about twice a week going forward. One to recap what happened in the last game. One to look ahead to the next one. But since Big 12 play started, we're going to give all of our focus to that one game. Joe, call your shot. Do the Red Raiders get this done in Austin? Um, I want to be wrong about this. I think it's a competitive game. I think we'll have all the chances in the world to come out of Austin with a W, but I just don't think those chips fall for us this go around. I think we'll get them back whenever we get them here in Lubbock in February, but I don't think this is a ball game that Tech goes out and wins. I hope to be fully wrong, but I do expect it to be a competitive game based on how both of these teams are playing going into this game. Same exact record. Austin, I'm giving the Longhorns the edge because of Austin and them playing at home. But I don't think this is necessarily going to be a game that Texas goes out and dominates us. I just think it's going to be a close competitive game, but the Longhorns are going to make more plays there at the end um, to come out with a victory um, on Saturday evening. 
you know, they always say defense travels. You can, if you're good defensively, you can be good anywhere. Um, that's true in football. It's true in basketball. And I'm not certain Texas Tech has an elite defense this year. You know, the the performance against both Villanova and against uh, Butler lead me to believe that Texas Tech just they're just not a sound defensively, which is to be expected. You lack the bigs, so you're going to struggle a bit in the interior. You you lack the cohesiveness building this roster around transfers. That'll improve over time. But I, I, I struggle to believe that they're going to put together, you know, a great defense, which means you're going on the road and leaning on what is, let's be clear, they've been a streaky shooting team. Now, the hope is that they're starting to shoot better. They'll continue to shoot better. But that's that's called a hot hand fallacy. Like, Pop Isaacs is not as likely to score 30 as his game as he is to score, you know, 10. Or he is as likely to score 30 as 10, I should say. Because that's that's how basketball works. It's a game of variance. Um, we'll see what happens. Do I think Texas is, Tech is capable of winning this game? Absolutely. And I'm going to say the Red Raiders get this done because I am pretty low on Texas. I just don't buy it. But it's, it's, it's a game that could easily go either way. We're going to learn a lot about where Tech is right now. You grow up over the course of a Big 12 basketball game, but I want to say that I think Tech gets this done based on the fact that, you know, two teams are coming in, similar records, similar, uh, let's be clear here, similar issues, you know, struggling against some competition they shouldn't struggle against. No big wins. These these teams are, you know, seasoned carbon copies, though obviously the expectation all that, as we've discussed, were vastly different. But I I just want to say I think that Tech can win this game and will. but it would not shock me for Texas to get this one on the road. I, this could easily be, you know, a series you split home and home. Um, I think Texas comes back to Lubbock. I, honestly, with the changes to the Big 12 schedule, I have paid no attention. I've just been looking game after game. So I don't know how that they're handling the home and homes anymore for basketball. Right. Couldn't figure this shit out if I tried. I, I, I don't know how this crap gets scheduled. But point being, I think this is easily one that you would say is one-on-one. Um, Joe, final thoughts before we close. Actually, I got one question for you. I mean, I'll put in my final thoughts here in a minute, but I got to ask you this. How interested are you in seeing the Max Abma's Joe Toussaint um, back and forth? It's going to be a great one, right? And this this is the thing about Big Toe basketball play is you've got two guys who are about to go at it who, you know, in a lot of leagues, this would be like the matchup of the year, right? Like you've got two guys that are going to have, you know, great storyline, great, a competition between each other. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but this is just fucking Big 12 basketball. You're going to have to fight all year in these matchups. And in these, uh, I, I mean, look, we got to run into McCuller later on, which we all know the, the history there and whoever the hell has to guard him. It's going to be talked about to death, but I'm very excited. I want to see Tucson tested. I really want to see what Toussaint can do against the higher level competition. He's impressed me this year. I don't know if it's the same about if you could, if you think the same Joe, but like he came from over from West Virginia and I wasn't, you know, that certain about a guy making an interleague transfer, you know, that doesn't always happen for good reason, but he has impressed me. I look forward to seeing him perform in a tough matchup and I look forward to seeing. honestly, you know what? I'll call my shot. I think Toussaint leads in scoring in this game that, that I think this is a moment. He kind of announces himself to the big 12 and everybody has to take a look. Are you calling for the player with the most points in the game total? Or are you just talking for tech side? Just for tech, though, I think for I think to be honest, for tech to win, if Toussaint's leading the score, he's got to probably be top scorer in the game. Uh, you know, just putting that out there. I don't believe that much of this defense. Feel like Tech's got to win this one in a barn burner. But I think Tech leads this team in scoring. Pop Isaacs will play well, hopefully, knock on wood. But I think this is a moment Toussaint says, like, I am here in this league. I will be a fixture of it. 
you know, he does have see, historically speaking in the Big 12, or at least last year, he played better on the road in Big 12 conference play than he did at home. So that's also something to keep in mind. Yeah, I, you know, my final thought, and I'll let you give your final thought next before we close, is just, you know, we're finally at Big 12 play. And you don't have to win every league game to make the tournament. This league is tough. It's brutal. We're going to lose games we shouldn't. We're going to win a few we shouldn't. The question is, can you avoid what happened last year where you just weren't competitive in so many games? I want to see competition every week. I want to see that a team that looks ready and ready to rock and roll every week. And that starts against Texas. Joe, what's your final thought? I'm just ready for Saturday. Obviously, you know, all of the makings that happened in the offseason – from what happened with Mark Adams, what happened to players transferring out, what happened to the culture around this, this, this program, you know, we're starting to slowly push all of that to the side. Got coach McCaslin in here, got a hell of a coaching staff in here, got the right players, the right fit, you know, the guys that you wanted here. And now we're about to see it because, you know, this is this is Big 12 conference play, best conference in in college basketball. And we're about to see what this coaching staff, what Coach McCaslin and how this team is going to be able to compete in the Big 12. This is, you know, everything that's happened up until this point is kind of, you know, in the in the in the in the background. And let's just see what we could do. We have the coaching staff. We do have the players, minus the one with Cambridge injury, which we don't know is going to hurt us or not, you know, in the big picture of things in the Big 12. But this is going to be one of those games that's going to be a test. What kind of team are you going to be? Are you going to fight? Are you going to be a team that goes on the road like you did at Butler? Hostile environment, and it was just a blow for blow until the last whistle and that Butler made all the right plays in overtime to get that win? Or is it going to be a Villanova kind of game where you just get your ass kicked from start to finish, get bullied around the rim, get bullied just in every phase of the game? So which team do you want to be moving forward in the Big 12? I'll take the Texas Tech versus Butler team any day of the week. I think McCaslin's going to have his guys ready to rock and roll. I think Texas Tech can go and and is very capable of winning this game and making some noise in the Big 12. So let's just get it started off with a W on Saturday, even though my prediction was a loss. I mean, be competitive. Go show up, be competitive, and, you know, show the nation that, you know, we're still for real, we're still in this, and we're going to make some noise. That'll do it for us. Hopefully, we're talking again next week after a Texas Tech win over Texas. As always, guys, like, subscribe, whatever it is, on whatever major podcasting platform. And be sure to check out both our Twitter and the Fans for Sports Network Twitter. Go find yourself a new podcast. You know, the NFL is entering the postseason. Go find your favorite team's podcast. Uh, they, they've got a lot of professional podcasts that are great. There's also some neat college podcasts. Maybe go find the Florida State guys, see what they thought about the playoff mess and how they felt about the bowl shenanigans that followed. Um we hope to be talking to you guys again more and more about basketball, and we hope you guys are enjoying our content and we'll continue to read it. Let's have a great year, and let's start off the men's side with a massive win on the road in Austin. Thank you, guys, and wreck them.